from the gospel today. The Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the desert. And Jesus remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. I just changed the wording on that. It says, the Holy Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert. You know, most kids hearing that, they could almost hear the car door slamming. Holy Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert and dropped him off. Right? No, he led him out into the desert. And he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. Um, Jesus is prefigured by people like Adam, people like Noah. Noah today is mentioned in the first reading. Noah is mentioned again in the second reading. How is Jesus, what does Jesus have in common with Adam and Noah? Well, Adam and Noah like Jesus, are around wild animals, wild beasts, and they're not harmed. Yeah, yeah. So you see a tie-in there. Uh, the savage beasts are around Noah and Adam. Christ is called a new Adam. God made a covenant with Noah. God made a covenant with Adam. And here is... The new covenant. Yeah. You notice how in the uh, first reading, and uh, it's, it's mentioned the rainbow, the bow in the sky. Um, that was a sign of the covenant that God made with Noah. Here is a tangible sign of the covenant, the new covenant that God has made in his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, the new Adam. You see that part where angels ministered to Jesus in the desert. Do you remember how angels ministered to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden after they had eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yeah, he had a fiery sword and he said to Adam and Eve, all right, get out, get out. That's not happening to Jesus, is it? Uh, Jesus is a new Adam. He is not, however, in the Garden of Eden. He is in the desert. Uh, sometimes you'll see the Bible say he's in the wilderness. How in the world are you supposed to understand? Wilderness is the same as the, as the desert. <coughs> Pardon me, in the Gospels. So when does this Gospel take place in the life of Jesus? How old is Jesus in this Gospel? <coughs> Pardon me. Traditionally, he's 30 years old. It happens right after Jesus is baptized by St. John in the Jordan River. And instead of crossing back to the side of the river, the side on which Jerusalem is, Jesus crosses back over to the other side, the side where the desert is. And there he spends 40 days. Not eating, not drinking, and he's tempted by Satan. What in the world is that about? Well, the, uh, the Israelites, the people of Israel, were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. Then God chose Moses to lead them out of the slavery of Egypt to the promised land. Um, 
the fathers of the church recognized that the Israelites, even though they were out of Egypt, Egypt was still inside of them. Kind of like me and you. Here we are in Lent, but the world is very much in here for me. Maybe it's the same for you. We really have to fight against it. Um, Just look at what happened with Moses. Moses, God leads Moses, and Moses leads the chosen people across the Red Sea, and the strongest army on on the face of the, the, the earth is after them, led by Pharaoh. And the the people now, after they cross the Red Sea, they can turn around and they can look at their dead bodies floating on the Red Sea. They've been destroyed, all of them totally destroyed. And the Israelites didn't have to lift a finger. Who did it? God did. So there they are, surrounded by their numerous flocks, lots of cattle. They left with their cattle and their kids and what they could carry. And what was the first thing that the Israelites started to say? Parents, you've heard this a million times. This is what they said to Moses. We're hungry. We're thirsty. Are we there yet? Right? Anytime you go anywhere with kids, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Are we there yet? Um, so, um, isn't it interesting? They're hungry. Um, what's that about? They have, they have these numerous flocks around them. Well, what happened just before they left Egypt? God told, God commanded them to sacrifice a, a male lamb and take the blood of the male lamb and sprinkle it over the posts of the door on the outside of the door where they lived. They were supposed to do that at night. In the morning, if the Egyptians saw, when the Egyptians saw the blood, somebody, whoever killed that lamb, was going to die. Yeah, because the Egyptians considered almost every animal to be a god or a goddess. And the Uh, uh, The Israelites were very much influenced by the people around them. So God said, no, no, you must kill a lamb, you must sprinkle the blood, and you must eat the flesh of the lamb. Or the, uh, the avenging angel would come after your firstborn. So here they are, out of Egypt, but Egypt is still in their hearts. And they're complaining to God that they're hungry, they're thirsty. So what does God do? He tells them that he would send bread from heaven the next morning. And he gave them water to drink. They never were without bread from heaven. They always had water to drink. And it only happened for the next 40 years. 40. 4-0. Not days, years. Where did the, this miraculous bread from heaven come? Was, did it come in Egypt? Did it come in the promised land? Only in the desert could you find this bread from heaven. So today in the gospel, we see the, what, what the manna 
got us ready for the miraculous manna that came down from heaven to be food for their bodies, we see God's bread from heaven going out into the desert. Where would you expect to find manna? In Egypt? No. In the promised land? No. In the desert? Yes. And so, um, Christ goes into the desert um, and he fasts and he prays. He's tempted in his weakness. What's all that about? Well, the uh, Pope Benedict in Jesus of Nazareth, his first book, Jesus of Nazareth, he, he quotes this line of Jesus that appears so often in the Gospels. Jesus says about the devil, I have conquered the strong man of this world. I have conquered the prince of this world. He's talking about the devil. So Jesus is tempted, not affected. Um, so this is uh, tremendously important for me and for you. Here we are at the beginning of Lent. Maybe you have managed, as I have done, uh, maybe in just a few days you've managed to ruin your Lent. No, I didn't eat a hamburger on Friday or Wednesday. But it's, I, I, I already feel like, oh, well, ruined it. It's like, it's like running a race. And uh, there you are at the track and you're ready to go. And the, um, the, the guy fires the starter pistol. And what do you do? You trip. You fall right up. Oh, that's it. Forget it. I'm not going to run. You may, you may be right there at this time saying the same thing. Don't. Get back up. And start over. That's the whole reason for Lent, is to start over. Start over, however, with Christ. Now, this, uh, this is one of the burial cloths of, the, uh, of Christ. Like the Shroud of Turin is one of the burial cloths on page 12. There at the top, it, very faintly, you can see the link. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash Monopello. EU forward slash English forward slash. I'll put it in again next week and I'll make it bold. Sorry. It, it gave it, 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 instead of being bold, it's a hologram. Anyway, the, uh, it's a great blog. Yeah, this is one of the um, burial cloths. It's not the Shroud of Turin. The Shroud of Turin is about the size of that altar cloth there. It's 14 feet long. This is about the size of this bulletin cover. And uh, well, just let's just let's just read. Um, I encourage you to read what Pope Saint John Paul II wrote in 2001 when he gave us homework for the next thousand years. You've all, we've all had hard teachers, but he he beats them all. He gave us homework for the next thousand years. I will never get to go out and play. I've got homework. Oh, you always have homework. Yeah, I got homework for the next thousand years. That's how long a millennium is. One of the things, one of the things that St. John Paul II says in that document, um, he comes back to it again and again. Contemplate the face of Christ. Contemplate the face of Christ. When he died and Pope Benedict was his successor, the first voluntary trip that Pope Benedict made outside of Rome was to the other side of Italy, to Monopello. To see this face. So what did you hear crop up? 
in the writings and, and homilies of Pope Benedict? Contemplate the face of Christ. Now take a look. Let's contemplate here real, real quick here. Um, uh, look at the eye of Jesus, his left eye. You see that kind of bruised area? You see some kind of dark areas on his face? These are areas um, where he was struck. Uh, by the way, I put this on the cover of the bulletin two or three times, and I've, uh, before I did more study on it, I referred to this as um, the resurrected face of Christ. It is not. It was there on the morning of the resurrection, but this is a picture of the dead Christ, just as the Shroud of Turin is a picture of the dead Christ. Um, the, uh, and the dead Christ has wounds. He was wounded terribly. Um, but uh, look at his nose. You see those, uh, you see those bruises on, or those dark patches on, on the sides of his nose. His, 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 the cartilage in his nose was broken. It's not bone. It's cartilage. So he had to breathe out of his mouth. He could not breathe through his nose. That's why the mouth is open. Um, one, um, one expert, Sister Blandina, who lives in Monapello, Italy, where this is, she's had many conversations with doctors who work in emergency rooms. And when they saw this image, they said, you know, that stare, the eyes of Jesus, they said, I've seen that before. When, when patients come in having suffered a cardiac arrest, a heart attack, and they've died, their eyes, this is how they look uh, so many times. The, uh, uh, take a look at the, uh, the mustache of Jesus. Isn't that a great mustache? Oh, wait a minute. I don't see one. You know, the Roman soldiers were so cruel, they made the Nazis look like Boy Scouts. The Nazis were incredibly cruel. Uh, what's that about the mustache? Well, um, you know, there's not a mustache there because it looks like some... Yeah, I don't even... Oh, I need to sit down. The uh, Friends, contemplating the face of Christ uh, over the, the days of Lent, um, we are contemplating the, the bread, the miraculous bread that came from the mouth of God. Um, he would have done all this just to save me. He would have done all this just to save you. Um, he did this to save us, as that second reading says today. So we meditate upon this. We contemplate this face of Christ. That plus our sacrifices our fasting and abstinence and our works of charity. Friends, I guarantee you, if you do this, you will see miraculous events unfold before your very eyes. I guarantee it. Not possible, not probable. I guarantee it. But it can't happen without you. You know what the Israelites did? Um, with Moses and with God, they were telling God there, just on the other side of the Red Sea, there's Pharaoh, there's the army, dead. They were saying, we liked it better in Egypt. Yeah, we were slaves, but we had food. Okay, okay. So, uh, 
to prefer slavery with food to freedom with God and the manna? That's really sad. But you read the, the, the reading the book of Exodus is like reading my life because um, what the Israelites, how the Israelites were tempted and how they responded reminds me so much of how I have failed again and again in life to follow to follow God. We do not have to look for a rainbow. God has given us a a tangible, a visible sign of his love for us. Here it is. Here it is. Um, contemplate the face of Christ, said St. John Paul II, wrote St. John Paul II, said Pope Benedict uh, the Sixteenth. Contemplate the face of Christ um, during his passion and this will get us ready for his tremendous resurrection. The Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the desert and Jesus remained in the desert for 40 days. Tempted by Satan, he was among wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit.